I didn't intend to begin this way, but we're talking Trappist beer today, so it's fitting. This, my friends, is the parable of the two beer pilgrims. It begins outside the abbey of Our Lady of Saint-Rémy, where the legendary Rochefort beers are brewed. It was a gorgeous summer Saturday in southern Belgium. Big, puffy white clouds raced through an otherwise blue sky. Green trees waved in the wind. A church spire towered in the distance. The abbey buildings looked strong, constructed from white limestone and classic red Belgian brick. Other than my family waiting for me in a shaded grove several hundred meters away, I was alone. Then, from behind me, I heard the sound of a car. Glancing back, I saw something else that was, kind of ironically, also a Belgian classic. A big, sleek German sedan with Belgian plates. Brussels is flooded with them, but we were far from the city. The car roared to a stop in a gravel lot not far from where I was standing. A younger man, perhaps in his late 20s, got out of the driver's side. He hurried around the front of the car and opened the passenger door for a woman who looked like she could have been his mother or maybe his mother-in-law. Another woman, perhaps his wife, helped herself out of one of the back doors. They ambled toward the church for a moment, cameras ready, heads swiveling from side to side. I watched as they stopped in the parking lot, stood in what looked like confused silence for about 30 seconds, and then huddled. A short time later, the man walked over to me. I was holding a field microphone, so maybe I looked like I wasn't entirely ignorant about things. Do you know where the tasting room is? He asked. They don't have one, I replied. No shop either. The guy looked at me, incredulous. Now, I'm not totally sure why, but I sort of felt the need to defend the place. This is one of the more reclusive Trappist abbeys, I said apologetically. They don't have a cafe like Orval or West Flederen, but the church is really cool. I pointed toward the building with a spire. You could check it out. The man nodded a quick thanks and then turned toward his fellow travelers. Come on, he announced. There's nothing to see here. Sixty seconds later, the sedan was gone. I was left alone again in a cloud of gravel dust, wondering about his last words. In their way, they were a revelation, because I couldn't refute what he'd said. For him, maybe there was nothing to see here. But for me, maybe there was everything to see at the Rochefort Abbey. Maybe I just had to know how to look. From Earblitz, I'm Nate Carney, and this is Belgian Beer Quest. So let's begin our quest in the place where Rochefort beer is brewed, at the Abbey Notre-Dame de Saint-Rémy. The abbey is in a hilly part of French-speaking Belgium, in the Ardennes region. You can find all kinds of amazing caves in that area. The Lomme River flows through the nearby town of Rochefort, just a few short kilometers away. Now, Rochefort is a nice village. It's picturesque and has plenty of restaurants, shops, hotels. It has great places to hike or ride bikes. The history of the abbey has a similar story to many in this part of the world. It was founded during the 13th century. Its fortunes, along with those of nearly everyone else in medieval Europe, were tied to those of the world around them. So this meant moments of peace, long periods of war, famine, religious restoration, some prosperity, and as with every other religious community in French-speaking Europe during the French Revolution, monastic life withered and died at the end of the 18th century when the abbey buildings were taken over and sold. Then, 
Almost a hundred years later, near the end of the 19th century, the sleeping community awoke when monks from Akel took possession of the abbey. As is traditional with Trappists, the monks worked with their hands to support themselves. A large part of this work was agriculture, but beer came into the picture as well and accelerated in earnest in the 1950s when the monks began to commercialize Rochefort beer. In 1960, the monks gave up farm life altogether as a means of supporting themselves. From that point on, their economic subsistence would be dependent on beer. Nearly 60 years later, this move has served them well. As an authentic Belgian Trappist beer, Rochefort is famous the world over. And according to one of Belgium's leading beer experts, Sophie van Rafflegem, a master beer sommelier or zithologist who's published five books on Belgian beer, this is despite the fact that they basically don't do advertising. If you look at all the monasteries, they're one of the ones who are rather close at that. And then the other thing, you won't see a lot of advertising as well. You sometimes see advertising of a smaller Oshime, but Rochefort, you won't see that a lot. And still, everyone knows it. I don't ever have to explain Rochefort to anyone. I think that's really... Uh, Fascinating. It is fascinating, and it seems about right. The Abbey is a place of tranquility and contemplation. As their website says, the monks' primary duty involves spiritual work, the practice of internal conversion, which, as my impatient fellow beer pilgrim and I discovered, means there's no real destination, at least not in the classic Western tourist sense. I mean, other than a small sign in a window near the abbey entrance and a few dusty bottles behind another slightly grimy window, you would never even know that this is the place where Rochefort beer is brewed. And this is different than nearly every other beer maker in Belgium, where tours can be scheduled and samples sampled. Even Orval, Chimay, and West Flederen have associated cafes within walking distance of their abbeys. So before we geek out about Rochefort beer, I want to talk more about what you can see at the Abbey of Our Lady of Saint-Rémy, because in the context of the beer, the place matters. So I'm standing on a small concrete platform, just above a little, almost zen-looking garden that leads up to the church at the Rochefort Abbey. The garden has about a hundred little bushes, which are exquisitely manicured, and they're just kind of cool to look at. There's big hedges behind them and walls of white limestone that surround this whole courtyard. Now, it's interesting to travel to a place like this, where Rochefort beer is made. It's one of the most famous beers in the world. It's powerful and dark and just kind of cool. But it's even cooler to be here, to see how quiet it is, to see how tranquil it is. There's a little bell tower and lots of small outbuildings. And there's a huge river bluff in the distance, but it's a place of quiet. And it's fascinating because we haven't seen a single monk since we've been here. We know they're here, but they keep it pretty private. I wasn't specifically trying to find monks, but I was looking to see what I could see. And I discovered that the best and really only point of access is the Abbey Church, in which the doors were open for random visitors like me. So I stepped inside. Here's what I found. Oh, 
I'm alone inside the church at Rochefort Abbey. They had prayers not long ago. You can still smell the incense from when the monks were in here singing. The place is beautiful. It's got dark wood, pews, big beams on the ceiling that are also made out of wood. And then there are at least three levels of arches. You've got gray columns, white limestone, I think, walls. It overall has an atmosphere of cleanliness, of tidiness. Up front, there's a big candelabra hanging from the ceiling, but this is about as austere a Catholic church as I've been in. It's beautiful. After a few minutes alone inside the church, I stepped back outside, where the wind, invisible as ever, rattled through the leafy trees. Dozens of birds swooped in and out of Abbey airspace. I sat down on a stone bench and just, well, contemplated stuff, including beer. Something was dawning on me. I felt like I was getting close to something essential about Rochefort. Words from an old song flashed through my head from the White Stripes, where Jack White once sang, any man with a microphone can tell you what he loves the most. And there, on the bench at Rochefort, it occurred to me, somewhat obviously, I guess, in retrospect, that it's not the beer that the monks at Rochefort love the most. It's what takes place inside the monastery walls, the search, the quest for something greater. The beer, famous though it is, is a means to an end. Ah, but what a means it is. We should definitely talk about the beer. There are three Rochefort beers, the six, the eight, and the 10, all of which began appearing in the early 1950s after the monks made the decision to commercialize their beer in order to help sustain the community after World War II. Now, a quick and kind of cool side note about this. The Belgian Trappist community was crucial in this effort especially the noted beer scientist Jean de Klerk, who was one of the heroes of Chimay thanks to his work with Father Théodore de Hain in helping to bring back the Chimay yeast and brewing operation after the war. Now, the numbers on Rochefort bottles correspond roughly to the alcohol levels in each beer. In non-geek speak, I would call number six strong, number eight stronger, and number ten booming. For me, Rochefort 6 is kind of like a Hemingway novel. It's honorable, true, clean and strong. It's a classic. Rochefort 8 is phenomenal, especially with a good meal. Stay tuned for more after the break. After I visited the Abbey, I stopped for lunch at a restaurant in the town of Rochefort and ordered beer-braised duck leg. The Rochefort ate complimented the meal as well as any Burgundy could have done, and probably better, since Rochefort was used for the cooking base. It was rich and dark and had a fantastic finish. Rochefort 10, which is 11.3% alcohol by volume, downright mighty by beer standards, is an almost otherworldly beer. It's a deep sort of brown, almost the color of mahogany. The scent reminds me of baking bread. The first time I tried a Rochefort 10 was with an amazing farmhouse dinner near Houton, Belgium, about 15 years ago. I was new to Belgian beer back then and a lot younger, so I drank three bottles during the course of a two-hour meal. 
Afterward, I was very grateful that my bed was within wobbling distance. Rochefort was definitely not like anything I'd tried before, because along with its strength comes an amazing amount of smoothness. The beers are excellent. And when I asked Sophie van Hoffelgem what made the beers so special, she didn't hesitate. For me, it's a combination of the character that's uh, really constructed by the malt. So you have the overwhelming aromas of chocolate and caramel and just a hint of coffee. Um, but it's the base, like the mouthfeel, is really creamy more than the other dark uh, Trappist beers. And if you combine that, that's like combining cream and chocolate. It just goes. <laughs> it just works. Um, Rochefort is a, is a great beer to pair with, with food. Even, uh, not only desserts, but a lot of other dishes. Uh, but it, for me, it's a, a beer, especially if you go to the 8 and the 10, to enjoy slowly. <laughs> So, uh, but it's a recognized Trappist, and I always say I love Westfleten. I really love it. I was lucky enough to stay there for 24 hours uh, a while ago. But it's, of course, you have to put in some effort to get the beer. So I say to people, if you just want to buy a great beer, you can also buy the Trappist Rochefort. For me, it's as good as. You can stand next to it. So. If you want to buy Rochefort beer, the Abbey may not be the best place to look. Anecdotally, the internet says that persistent buyers can randomly, occasionally, find a monk to sell you a bit of beer at the Abbey gates. But I wouldn't bank on it. However, you can find all the Rochefort beer you want in the village of Rochefort, with the added benefit of leaving the monks in peace. This is another sign of how much the area is connected to the Abbey and its work but it's not always a perfect relationship. In recent years, in fact, there's been an ongoing disagreement between the Abbey and a local company over water that has evolved into a legal battle. A bit of geographical background. If you go to Google Maps, type in the Abbey's name, flip on the satellite feature, and zoom out just a bit, you'll see, just beyond a lovely green ridge, a long, white, vertical stripe that looks very much like a finger pointing at the village of Rochefort. Well, that finger is a limestone quarry used by a company called Loist. In the very simplest of terms, the company wants to deepen the quarry to extend its life by several years. The monks don't want this to happen. They're worried that it would compromise the water source that's used to make Rochefort beer. Now, this is no small concern for a brewing operation. As we've discussed in other episodes, notably Orval, water is an essential part of a beer's DNA. Without the exact water, the beer as we know it would cease to exist. But it's not a simple issue. Again, let's hear from Sophie. It's a, a complicated story because I understand where they're coming from. And it's typical for the monks of the Trappist orders to preserve the way they are working and living, uh, to not change anything about it, and not want to change anything about the recipe. If you look at it in a technical way, 
it would be possible without the source because now we have um, companies who sell like installations to correct your water. Actually, you can uh, remove every element of it and put into it what you need as a brew to make this kind of beer. But why should they have to do it? Um, I, I understand where they're coming from and they want to fight to preserve this. And I noticed this in the other Trappist breweries as well. You have a recipe, we want to brew it in the purest way possible. I want to keep to that. And they have the right to do it. The water issue is, in many ways, about more than just beer, especially for the monks at Saint-Rémy. Fighting court battles, figuring out alternate water supplies, explaining potential changes to customers. These are things that ordinary companies often chalk up as normal costs of doing business. But this is Rochefort. The Abbey is perhaps the most reclusive, even among the Belgian Trappists. None of those quote-unquote ordinary business things align well with communing with the divine. This issue still isn't settled. Though the company has been stopped for the moment from extending the quarry, the uncertainty lingers. But even within the water issue, we can find meaning. Certainty is a kind of phantom. It's cliche to say that the only constant is change, but that's only because it's true. And the thought of water, deep underground, unseen but critically important, also makes me want to return to the story with which we started, the parable of the two beer pilgrims, where we heard that there was nothing to see here. So I have to raise the question, was it actually worth it to go? For me, the answer is a resounding yes. Traveling to Rochefort was well worth the quest. It deepened my understanding of why Rochefort beers are so sublime. They're accessible, sweet, forbidding, and dark, somehow all at the same time. They're kind of the beer equivalent of the English poet Shelley looking at Mont Blanc. Wandering the grounds around the abbey, Seeing how tranquil and, well, sublime the place was, it helped me to make a connection between the abbey and the beer. Rochefort is also a quiet brewery. As Sophie mentioned earlier, there's no marketing with these beers. Now, this isn't wildly uncommon for Belgian Trappists. Supply, demand, and the monks' mission kind of dictate that. But still, experiencing the silence for myself was enlightening. It was also illuminating to think about solidity and fragility. The abbey is built of stone. It's been around in one form or another for almost 800 years. But the Trappist beers, as we know them anyway, aren't yet 100 years old. So what happens if the water situation changes? Even stone isn't always as solid as it seems. Finally, I had to ask myself, what will I remember from the journey to Rochefort? Somewhat surprisingly, it won't be the beer, at least not the exact beer that I had when I went there. It'll be the birds, the trees, the wind, the quiet brick buildings. But most of all, it'll be my family waiting patiently for me as I stood there and stared at the Belgian Abbey, trying to figure out what Rochefort was all about. In a word, I guess, I'll remember love. Which, if I were to speak to one of the monks at the Abbey of Saint-Rémy, I might just find out that that's the whole point anyway. And so, in terms of the parable, maybe that's the answer too. The most important things in life are often hidden in plain sight. It's not so much what you're looking at, but how you're looking. So tonight, in that spirit, 
As summer slips into autumn in Northern Europe, I'm going to pull one of my own treasures out of the fridge, a Rochefort number 10. All right, about to drink some Rochefort 10 out of this beautiful gold-topped goblet that says Trappist Rochefort. Here we go. Oh, incredible. There's like hints of caramel. It's like, like my body is being wrapped in a warm blanket from the inside out. It's so comfortable and warm. I feel like I'm royalty that I've accomplished something great tonight. Don't know what I did to deserve this, but I'm going to have another drink. Hmm. That's the stuff. This episode of Belgian Beer Quest is brought to you by Earblitz, a production of Advantipro GmbH. Our producers include the very tranquil Brett Hellenius, the often contemplative Manuel Flotkin, and me, your humble host and occasionally silent visitor to Belgian Abbeys, Nate Carney. Audio editing and mixing is also by Manuel Flotkin, who summoned the acoustics of a perfectly shaped Belgian cave to make sure this episode sounded great. The EarBlitz.com website was crafted with quiet confidence behind austere brick walls by Laura Hirsch, Tavo Caballero, and Aaron T. Grog. Marketing is handled by Michelle Purse, who helps to connect us with like-minded questers around the world. You can find us at earblitz.com or subscribe to Belgian Beer Quest on all platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. Make sure you like the Earblitz page on Facebook and follow Earblitz on Twitter. A very special thanks to Sophie van Hoffelken for her time and expertise and to the monks at Rochefort for leaving the church doors open. Please join us next time when we step into the world of St. Bernardus, in which we'll learn about the jolliest logo you may have ever seen, the mystery of Watu, world-class beer, and St. Bernardus's fabled and often little understood connection to a legendary Trappist brewery. Until then, cheers to you.